Good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you. As Michaela said, my name is Sawyer Trapp. I'm an associate pastor here at Arise Church Denver. So good morning to you in, here in person and also to those watching online. I know it's, it is Labor Day weekend, so maybe you're off up in the mountains, but I'm so glad that you decided to uh, tune in and join us for worship. Um, the first video that you saw was our um, up new promo for our Update Required series. So if you're joining us here in person, you notice that these cards are on your seat or nearby. And this card is not for you. Um, you can get all this information in the weekly emails that I send out or on our website. But this card is for somebody in your life that you're supposed to invite to this series. I think it's going to be really impactful, really speaks to where we are as a society where we're not only just surrounded by technology, but really has worked its way into every facet of our life, from our relationships to our jobs, um, to school, to our, our workplaces. And so I think it's going to be a great series to talk about how we do life and family and faith in the world that we live in today. So invite your friends, make sure you show up next week as we start off that series. Today, though, we'll be wrapping up our Engage series, which has been all about how to normalize a better life. Um, the reality that we've been living in for the past 18 months and even prior is a world that is filled with disconnectedness, with loneliness, with feelings of inadequacy and, and fear. And so how do we live our lives? How do we, as the series suggests, engage and normalize a better life? So throughout this series, we've talked about various steps that we can take as followers of Jesus or as people just starting their journey of faith, whether that's worshiping weekly, um, starting to serve somewhere here in the church or outside the church, um, giving generously with the resources that God has given us, or as we talked about last week, um, joining our choosing community. So if you haven't taken the step to join a community group, I encourage you to do that, not just because I'm in charge of them and I think they're really great, but because I think they will actually make an impact on your life and give you those really deep, lifelong relationships that we're all looking for, as well as help you follow Jesus better. Um, but all of those steps that we can take, as we talked about throughout this series, are steps that we do, steps that we have the initiative to do. Maybe God prompted us, maybe the Holy Spirit moves, but we take that step and we can see the benefit, right? When we worship weekly, we, we see God more in our life. We start growing on our faith as we hear the word preached. When we give, we feel more generous. We feel more encouraged. When we start serving, we, we realize that the benefit of us serving far is outweighed by the benefit that we receive, right? And so all of those things that we do help us in our faith. And so today we're taking a bit of a turn, and I think a turn that is necessary, because ultimately, if our faith was just for us, the moment that we would accept Jesus, right, we should right be in heaven, be right up in heaven. But that's not the case. If you have accepted Jesus in your heart, if you would say that you're a follower of Jesus, unless you're not here today because of that, and you're watching up from heaven, that's awesome. But for most of us gathered here today, or for those watching online, that is not the case, Right? And so the result of our faith benefits us, but it isn't for us, right? And so today we're going to take a bit of a turn from things that we do that we directly see the benefit in our own lives to something that we do for others, something that we may not even see the benefit of this side of heaven, and that's helping somebody else follow Jesus. Now, I actually believe that beyond all the steps that we've talked about, which are important, which are valuable, that this is the step that will accomplish this series goal the most. If we are called to normalize a norm, excuse me, normalize a better life, the better life that's found in Jesus, the fullest life, then this is the step we're going to have to take. If we're going to make that better life found in Jesus normal, regular, ordinary, so much so that 
millions of people across the planet experience it, and the people in our lives experience it, this is the step we're going to have to take. We're going to have to be bold, share our faith, and help somebody else follow Jesus. And even as I say that, a lot of us are starting to stir in our seats, or starting to think about the reasons why that's difficult. But I think primarily there's two obstacles that we face when we're trying to help somebody else follow Jesus. And for many of us, it's these two. First, we feel unequipped. We worry that we don't know enough, or or we're not mature enough in our faith, or we still have all these questions about God and faith and the world. How, How can we be expected to respond to other people's questions when we still have all of these questions? How can I walk people through their pain and suffering and doubts when I'm wrestling with those same things? And maybe that's you this morning. Or or maybe you feel afraid. I think for a lot of us, this is what it really comes down to, is that our faith is important to us, our faith impacts us, but we're afraid of what happens when we might start sharing our faith, afraid of what people will think of us, our reputation, what's going to happen to our friends and neighbors, are people going to start thinking about us as that weird Christian person? or start associating us with certain groups or identities or beliefs. We're afraid of what is going to happen if we start stepping out in faith and living and speaking and acting on behalf of others, helping them follow Jesus. So this morning, if you're in this room or if you're listening to my voice and you, and you haven't quite taken that step yet, you say, hey, I'm just checking out this whole Christianity thing. I, I'm not sure I'm a believer yet. Just sit back. Because this morning you're off the hook a little bit. But for those of us who are followers of Jesus, who would say, yep, I I believe, I've been saved, I'm a Christian, this is a step that we not only need to take, but we must take. So what do we do about these obstacles? I actually think these obstacles are not only for people in this room or people watching online, But if you have these obstacles in your life, if you feel these things, if you feel unequipped or you feel afraid, you're actually a really good company because everybody in the church feels that way. I feel that way. The great characters of the Bible, the great people that God has used to bring about his message felt that way. But even beyond that, besides being in good company, I truly believe that God has broken down these obstacles that I hope that God shows all of us this morning that these obstacles are real, they're real feelings we have, but God has gone immeasurably out of the way to break them down and create no obstacles in our way for helping us follow. Helping us follow Jesus and helping us help somebody else follow Jesus. So this morning we're going to jump into the book of Philippians in chapter 2. You can feel free to follow along in your Bible, on your phone, or if you on the YouVersion Bible app, which if you just search Bible app, it's the brown Bible app. We always say that, and people are like, which one is the version? That's the one. It's the big one. Um, and you go to the events button, so if you click the three dashes at the top, click events, you can find all the sermon notes on there. You see Arise Church Denver. So this morning, we're going to be in the book of Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12, and it starts off like this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence... Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
For it is God who works in you to act and to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So what's going on here? So the, the book of Philippians was a letter written by Paul, the great missionary who was sent out by God. And he, he's sent out to all these places throughout um, Asia and the Middle East. And one of those was the city of Philippi. And Philippi was different. Philippi was the first city that um, Paul had encountered that was made up primarily of Gentiles. So Gentiles were people who weren't Jewish. This was a, a Roman colony that was set up where a lot of Roman soldiers and their families lived. And despite that being the background, in Philippi, the message of the gospel, the message about Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, is received with open arms. Philippi becomes this place where Paul finds a sense of support and encouragement. As you, as you see in that verse, he says that you obeyed, you followed God's law and his way of living, not only when I was there, right, when I was watching, but also in my absence. Now that I'm gone, now that I'm on to my next place, you're still following God. And so I think this is important because this passage, Paul was writing to a, a church that was a lot like us, a church of people made up with no Jewish background, people that are new to faith, people that are seeking to follow God, that have accepted his message, but are living in a world that is different from that. Living in a situation where they may be the only one in their family, or the only one in their community, or the only one in their friend group that is following Jesus. And then he continues on, as you see, he presents this interesting dichotomy between the ways that we work in our salvation as followers of Jesus and the ways that God works. But, but what does that have anything to do with us sharing our faith, right? So let's dive in. So it says in verse 12, if you look back at it, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now on the surface, it seems like Paul is just calling us where we are, right? That often when we take steps of faith or when we feel moved by the Holy Spirit to act in a certain way, we step like this, right? We're like, take the smallest step ever, and then you're like, okay, God, was that right? Am I doing the right thing? Am I following you? But I actually don't think that is what he's getting at. Because he's calling them to work out their salvation. If we look at that word in the original language, basically it's saying is, as a result of what's that's happened to you, live this way. So it's not out of this fear and trembling, this worry that we're doing the wrong thing, these concerns about whether God is in this or not. It's this idea that God has already worked, and we are responding to that. God has already worked, and we are responding to that. But ultimately, that puts a lot of the burden back on us, right? That gets us back into the obstacles that we talked about at the beginning. If God has already worked, and we just need to respond then we still might feel unequipped. We still might be afraid. We still might say, God, I'm inadequate to do the things that you were calling me to. God, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what people are going to think of me if I start acting out of my faith, if I start being bold, if I start working out of my salvation. But God's response to this is right in the verse that follows. Look at verse 13 again. So yes, we are called to work out of our salvation. But verse 13, for it is God who works in you, to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Despite us responding to what God has done, God is still the one that is working in us. God is using us, molding us, shaping us, putting us in the right situations, the right time, the right friendships, the right relationships, to work out his good purpose. 
And, and what is his good purpose? There's so many verses in the Bible that talk about what God is doing in the world, but I think one of the most simple and most direct is this. In 1 Timothy 2.4, it says, God wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Pretty simple, right? God wants all people, everybody who is living now, everybody who had lived, everybody who will live, to be saved, to have salvation, to be renewed and in right relationship with God, themselves, others, and creation, and to come to the knowledge of the truth, the truth about who Jesus was, what Jesus did, what God is doing in the world. If that is God's purpose, then that is a huge undertaking, right? If we are called to act in accordance to God's purpose, and that's God's purpose, man, we're under-equipped, right? If our job is to have all people be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, then yeah, we're going to feel inadequate. We're going to feel like we don't know enough. We're going to worry about the questions and doubts that we own have, that we all have. But look again at what that verse says. It isn't that we're left alone to fulfill God's purpose independent of him. It says in verse 13, right at the beginning, for it is God who works in you to will and to act, to fulfill his good purpose. It's always been God. God is the one who brought about salvation in the first place. God is the one who created us. God is the one who is working in us even now to fulfill his good purpose. And so for those of us this morning that feel under-equipped, feel inadequate, feel like we don't measure up, feel like we don't know enough, feel like we haven't been following Jesus long enough, feel immature, we're reminded this morning that it is not about us. It's not up to us. It's not up to you and me, independent, all by ourselves to fulfill God's purpose. We have God on our side. We have God working in us. We have the all-knowing, all-good, all-powerful, all-present God of the universe working in us and through us to fulfill his good purposes for our lives and for the world. And so for those of us that feel unequipped this morning, rest that God is more than equipped to deal with anything that we're going to face. That God is more than adequate. That God is A++++ at helping people follow him. It's not up to us by ourselves. But it doesn't mean that we don't have a role to play. It doesn't mean that we just have to sit back and say, God, I'm ready to be used. Use me. We have a role to play in being the most equipped that we can be. Yes, we'll never do it independent of ourselves. We always need God on our side. But God wants to use the best instrument that he can. He wants to use the most equipped person to share the good news. And just like an instrument in the hands of somebody who can play it well, the instrument matters. When I was in elementary school, I, I started in band. And even before that, I, about first grade, I started in piano lessons, which might be for you. It was not for me. I really, really disliked it. 
My brother, my brother really got into it, was better than me, and I was jealous, and I just really disliked it. And so finally in school, when you start introducing instruments, I started in third grade with a recorder, which it was even worse. I don't know why. If they're still doing recorders in school, Teachers of America, let's just stop now. It's going to be okay. But in fourth grade, that's when I fell in love with music, playing music. I got my hands on a trumpet. And from then on, I loved playing music. But that trumpet that I played was about 30 years old, tarnished, worn, broken. The bell was bent in where the sound comes out. It was bent at the front, so it always kind of sounded a little off. Now, I was learning. It didn't matter what kind of instrument I had, right? So I played that for about a year and a half, and then about halfway through uh, fourth grade, excuse me, halfway through fifth grade, we needed somebody to play baritone, start playing baritone, which is a low brass instrument, because somebody had moved up in grade, and they needed somebody to start playing. And I was like, sure, I'll do that. Why not? And once I saw the instrument that I was playing, I was in. Because unlike that 30-year-old, broken, worn-down trumpet, this baritone was brand new. It had just been donated that year from somebody who used to attend the school. It was brand new, shiny, bright. The bell wasn't broken. And instantly, in that moment, I was excited to play. I practiced more. My tone improved. My sound got better. It seemed overnight, just because I had a better instrument. And in the same way, friends, God is going to use us no matter what condition we're in. God uses people in their first moments or weeks or years of faith that are dramatically unequipped to help people follow him. But for those of us who have been following Jesus a long time or maybe feel like through our life or our busyness or distractions, maybe feel like that worn, broken-down trumpet, I think God might be calling us this morning to re-engage, to continue growing, to push in, to do all the things that we've talked about throughout this series, to read our Bible more despite the distractions, to begin praying when we say we're going to pray for people, to start engaging in community with others as we grow together. And as we do that, we're going to become a better instrument in the hands of God. We may stop looking, about like, looking like that old, worn-down trumpet and may turn into that new, beautiful, shiny baritone. And imagine, imagine the song of grace and hope that God could play through us and in, us in the lives of people if we engaged, if we equipped ourselves more, if we lived more in tune with the Spirit. And so, yes, we may feel under-equipped or unequipped, but the God of the universe is on our side. And so for those of us that are feeling afraid this morning, that even as I said the words about sharing your faith or helping somebody else follow Jesus, you felt a pit in the bottom of your stomach. I think Paul continues on and even wrestles with the idea that our fear isn't even a good excuse to prevent us from sharing the good news of Jesus. We continue on. Verse 14 do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may, be, may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. So what Paul continues on, he, he starts to compare the Philippians and his audience and us 
to the Israelites. Because we have a lot in common. The Israelites have been brought out of Egypt. They've been removed from slavery. They walk to the Red Sea. They're in the desert. They finally get to the promised land. And they send people in, right? They send spies in to check things out. And despite a couple of them being like, yeah, God has done that. We can take this too. The other 10 say, have you seen the people in there? They're giants. They're huge. They have way more people than us. Their army's better. There's no way we can take over this land, even with God on our side. And so God responds and he says, you know what? If you don't trust me, we got some work to do. And so they wander in the desert for 40 years. And it's in that passage, it's in that section where Paul pulls these words from. Because a lot of us, when we're faced with an unknown situation, a situation where we don't know what's going to happen, a situation where we get in and despite God being good and active in the past, we get into a situation and we say, oh, I don't know. How are, what are people going to think about me if I start sharing my faith? I built up this reputation. What's going to happen to that? Are people going to think I'm weird or elitist or a hypocrite or hateful? And so like the Israelites, we're called to be a light to the nations. We're called to trust God even when things get hard and difficult. Yet so often when we're put in situations where we don't know the outcome, when we're worried about the opinions of others, when we see the ways of the world and see our lives, we want that. Just like the Israelites wanting to live like the people that surround them, we get so wrapped up in the things of the world. And when push comes to shove, we let our fear control our lives. And what fear does is it stops us from thinking about anybody else but ourselves. When we're faced with situations that we don't know, or we don't know what's going to happen, or when we have the pushing of the Holy Spirit to say, hey, talk to this person, love this person, go out of your way to care for this person. We don't know what's going to happen, and we wonder about ourselves. If, if I do that, what's going to happen to me? What, what's going to happen to my life? What's going to happen to my friends and, and my community and my neighbors? What are people going to think about me? Fear takes the focus away from other people, and it turns us inward. And so this morning, I want us to respond to the fear, the trepidation that we have about sharing the most important thing about us, our faith, with the reality that it's not about us. God is working. It's not up to us, and it's not about us. We can get so wrapped up in what people are going to think about us, what, what, what I'm going to be thought of when I tell people that I'm a pastor. Our reputation, our fear, our, our concerns about what people are going to compare us to. And yes, those are valid, valid concerns. But the reality is that if we have a God who didn't just leave it up to us, but came down, Jesus as a person fully God and fully human and gave up his position of authority and power and praise to become a lowly human just like us. 
born in a stinky, smelly barn and live the life full of the pain, the hurt, and the difficulty of our world, and even more than that, die our death. If that is who we're looking to as our representative, as our example, Jesus, full of humility even to the point of death on a cross, if that is our example, then we can't let our lives be about us. Friends, we are here for a purpose. We are not up in heaven yet for others. God is working through us and in us, not to turn to grumbling and arguing like the Israelites did, not wondering and wanting for the ways of the past, but living right now as Jesus' ambassador and representative in the world, living like he did, not concerned about the clothes on his back or what people thought of him, but fully focused on the needs of others, desiring for them to be saved more than for him to be praised. So yes, we might be afraid. We might worry what is going to happen. But the God of the universe is on our side saying, you are a son and daughter of the king. That is your identity independent of what anyone else says. And if we start to live into that, if we start to acknowledge that it's not up to us and it's not about us, then this next verse will be true of us as well. Paul wraps up. He says, Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Shining like stars in the sky. If you're new to Colorado or you've just moved here, you haven't had a chance yet, you need to go camping here. Not because it's fun, not because it's enjoyable, but because of this, the night sky. If you never had a chance to get out of the city and get up to the mountains and see the amount of stars that you can see in the mountains in Colorado, you must do it. It is literally breathtaking. This is a very poor representation of what it looks like because this is just projected on a screen or visible on your computer. But when you're actually immersed 360 degrees in a sky full of what seems like endless stars, it'll just make you sit there for a second. This is the image that Paul has in his head when he's talking about shining like stars. National Geographic says that in highly populated areas like New York, Los Angeles, Singapore, uh, South Korea, cities in those countries and in our own country, that over 99.5% of stars that we should be able to see are blocked by light pollution. That people in those cities only really see 5, excuse me, 0.5% of the stars that they could see. That's what we often feel it's like. That we're out there shining and nobody, nobody is paying attention. When the reality is that we are shining like the Colorado night sky up in the mountains. That is the image. That is the beautiful image that Paul has in his head when he's writing this down, when he's thinking about, you know what, if we thought that it wasn't up to us, if we didn't worry about ourselves and worried about the eternity of others, if we trusted that the God of the universe was on our side, that's what it would look like. That's what it would look like. 
And I really think that stars are a great metaphor for helping somebody else follow Jesus. Because if you were to pick one star out of the sky and look solely at its light that you can see from the earth, it wouldn't be that much. Stars are billions of miles away, generally speaking, and the light that reaches us is so small that it's actually the light from the past because it takes so long to get from us, get to us. But think about the sun in comparison to that. The sun is a star that is still millions of miles away from our planet. But relatively in space terms, it's like our next door neighbor. It's like our coworker. It's like our friends. It's like the parents of our kids that go to school with us. It's our best friends at school. So friends, proximity matters when it comes to shining our light. We may not be able to light up the darkness of the world, but you know what? We can be like the sun in the lives of those that are close to us. We can light up their life with the good news of hope and of Jesus with a light like the sun. So you might not be able to change everyone's life, but I bet you can change a couple. I bet you can shine like the sun in the lives of one person. And think about it. When a light is polluted, when, when you cannot see stars in the sky, it's not like the star goes away. The star is always there shining despite us not being able to see it. And so for, for many of us, we say, well, what's the point? Why should I keep shining? Why should I shine like a star? No one's going to see it anyway. And the star reminds us that we should keep shining no matter what gets in the way. That yes, in the lives of people, there's going to be distractions, there's going to be pollution, there's going to be pain, there's going to be hurt, there's going to be bad experiences with the church, there's going to be people who don't represent our faith well. But it doesn't mean we should stop shining. That means we should stop sh start shining all the more to cut through the light pollution of people's lives that they can see the light of Jesus. And finally, some of us might, might feel like we're shining all by ourselves. Have you ever seen a night sky from the city, and you just see one star that's kind of like off by itself, right? And you're like, what's that star doing there? Sometimes that's how we feel. We feel as if we have no support network, no encouragement, nobody around us that's shining for Jesus with us. But the truth is, it's this. It's a sky full of stars beyond our comprehension. That despite us feeling like we're alone, despite us feeling like we're the only ones living for God, the only one who's trying to be obedient to what God is calling us to, the only one that's shining, we have a full heavens of people that are shining with us. We're not alone. And imagine the impact that a, shy, that, a, excuse me, that a sky full of stars, of people that are shining their light for Jesus, of saying, you know what, it's not about me, it's not about what I can do, but it's what God can do through me and in me to impact the lives of people around me. Imagine if each one of us who claim the name of Jesus started living that way. And so I leave you this morning with what I think Paul was leaving the Philippians with. That it's not up to us, it's not about us, but if that's true, 
then it's time to shine. It's not enough for us to sit on the sidelines anymore. It's not enough to sit in our fear, worry about what other people think about us. It's not enough for us to say, you know what, I don't have it all together. I, I, I don't know everything. It's time to start shining. Because God has put each and every one of us here for a reason. That we still have work to do. That God has put us in the relationships, in the job that we have, in the community that we live in, with the neighbors that we have, with the people that we interact with for a purpose. And it is to shine with the ways that we live, with the things that we say, with how we love, with taking the bold step to talk about what you believe in. And if we do that, if we do that, imagine what could happen. Imagine what could happen. There's over 2 billion people on this planet that claim the name of Jesus. It said, I'm a follower of Jesus. If each one of us were to just focus on one other person, and even 50% were successful, it's another billion people, over a billion people that are going to be saved, that are going to experience the fullest life found in Jesus, that aren't going to be left feeling alone and lonely and disconnected and disjointed, that God is going to change lives through us and in us. Friends, we are where we are for a purpose. And if we miss that purpose, if we don't shine, then people's eternities are at stake. Their lives now are at stake. We're called to shine. So as the band comes forward, we might be in two places this morning. We might be saying, I, I, from the beginning you said, I, I, I'm not a follower of Jesus yet. I, I listened. I'm glad I was off the hook for that message. That was a little intense, Sawyer. I'm not going to be honest. But, but maybe for the first time you have seen, you've experienced that, yes, we as Christians mess up. We fall short all the time. We don't live up to what God is calling us to. But Jesus always does. We can rest that Jesus has always got things under control. And not only that, that he gave up his position of power and authority and praise so that he could come down as live as one of us and live the life that we couldn't and die our death in our place. And three days later, he was raised from the grave, conquering our sin, death, and the devil. And friends, if you believe that for the first time, if you're saying, I'm ready to accept the salvation that is available to me, I'm so excited about that. Because that means that God is calling you on mission, that it's time to shine right now. And for the rest of us this morning, maybe you walked in and you said, yep, I'm a follower of Jesus. And, and, and Sawyer, I, I, I felt something during your message. I think many of us were thinking about during this message the people in our lives that don't yet know Jesus the people who have been hurt by Christians in the church, the people that don't know what their purpose is, that are disconnected and lost. And so this morning, I want you to pick one person in your life, just one person that you say, you know what, I am going to go out of my way to love them, to care for them, to shine God's goodness and grace and love into their life that I'm going to be there for them even when life gets hard, even when things are difficult, and I'm going to be bold enough to say, I care about you so much to share the truth with you. 
And if we do that, if even the people in this room do that, the people that are watching online do that, then our city, our state, our country, our world is going to change, and we're going to normalize a better life. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are good, that we can rest in your goodness, that it's not up to us, because by ourselves, God, we're not good enough. We're inadequate. God, but with you, you are bringing about new life in us. That you've changed us, that you've brought us from death to life. And you have called us into a mission to shine like stars in the universe that point back to you. So God, I pray for those of us who are followers of Jesus, that we'd be able to take the bold step, that we'd be able to move beyond feelings of fear and inadequacy, and that we would change the world. That we would shine your light like the sun into the people that we have the opportunity to do so. God, that we would realize that we've been put where we're at for a reason. God, and for those listening to my voice right now who have never taken the step of accepting that free gift of salvation found in Jesus, that maybe for the first time are realizing that everybody messes up, but God, you have never messed up. And God, you came down and you changed everything. And if that's you this morning, I pray that you would pray, that, pray this prayer with me as we all say these words together. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Save me. Forgive me. In faith I declare, Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you and shine to help others do the same. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time, if you accepted in your heart of hearts that Jesus was who he says he is and did what he has done and is active even now, I want you to raise your hand and say, hey, I'm a new follower of Jesus. I'm ready to shine. And if you're watching on right on now, we would love to know that you've accepted Jesus. If you go to arisedenver.com slash follow and fill out that short form, we'd love to connect with you. God, we thank you that you put us where we are for a reason, that you're drawing people to yourself even now. God, I pray that your purpose would come true, that you would work in us and through us so that everyone would come to the knowledge of salvation found in you. God, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you bring us together on mission to be your ambassadors in the world even now. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let us rise together in worship as we declare that we have built our life on Jesus and that we are sent in love to those around us.